What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. It's not hard to be hated. You could, say, criticize a beloved or powerful person. That will earn you the ire of many. If it's a person who's really high up, you could even end up behind bars or dead. Or you could earn that hate by simply being born with a darker shade of skin. People all over the world and all throughout history have been detested for that. But some people, some people draw out angry mobs with pitchforks just for standing for what they believe in. A lot of these people had big ideas and grand schemes. Others let very small acts of resistance. But all of them were bold enough to challenge what society told them was right. I'm your host, Eve's Jeffcoat. This is Unpopular. A podcast about the people in history who did not let the threat of persecution keep them from speaking truth to power. It's kind of the thing to talk about who's the bad guy right now. I mean, call-out culture is in full effect. We may have reached peak troll, but they're still out there typing and typoing away. Celebrities who've been denounced for their misdeeds are still getting a bunch of attention in media. And need I even mention U.S. politics? I want to build the wall. The Border Patrol, ICE, they all want the wall. But we have some bad hombres here and we're going to get them out. I'll let you decide who these bad folks are. Anyway... It is kind of sort of cool to be the nonconformist, to be the opposition, to have an opinion that no one else has, to proudly avoid the lasso of groupthink. 
You know, people are really into being refreshingly different right now and talking about just how different they are as they wave goodbye to the bandwagon everybody else is riding away on. But if we're being honest here, a lot of that objection can be superficial. After all, it's a good way to get attention, to stroke the ego. Okay, let's be real. That clip you heard earlier, that was from the current president of the United States. And he got to that position partly because people saw him as someone who's outside of the establishment, someone new, someone who spoke the words that so many wanted to say but couldn't say, someone who could disrupt the machine and bring the change they so desperately needed. Now, whether that's true is a different conversation. The point is, somewhere, there will always be an accepted state that someone will turn upside down, for better or for worse. That's why when people meaningfully reject established systems and norms, knowing the backlash can be dark, but hoping the outcome could be worth it, it says something. I know, everyone has an opinion. And yes, people can be super vocal about their opinions, thoughts, or ideas, and just be strong and wrong. Lucky for you, I'm not here to talk about those people. And fortunately for all of us, the arc of history helps us separate the loudmouth quacks from the people whose dissent was actually productive. The reality is, even though it's not hard to be hated, it is hard to be the person who's at the receiving end of that hate. It takes sacrifice and courage to follow through when you're advocating for a cause that you know will put you at odds with others. Some people in history, they dared to go against the current in a sea that threatened to drown them. They questioned the status quo, even when they had targets on their back. And they left a mark on the world, or at least their little piece of it. When the fight is one worth fighting, it can pay to be unpopular. The response may be fear, aversion, ridicule. But hey, nobody can be loved by everyone anyway. Every week, we'll bring you the story of a person or group who railed against the established order of things. This is a show where people in the minority speak the loudest and outcasts are decidedly in. And today's person of the hour is Tatanka Iotake, also known as Sitting Bull. I wish it to be remembered that I was the last man of my tribe to surrender my rifle. That's what Hunk Papa Lakota Chief Sitting Bull said after his son handed his father's gun over to a commanding officer in 1881. Throughout his life, Sitting Bull stuck to his guns. He fought with passion and resolve. He was committed to resisting the influence and dominance of white people and preserving the Lakota lifestyle and land. When we look back at the life of Sitting Bull, we see him as this larger-than-life, heroic character who championed Native American rights. But it turns out time, a close sister of distance, can also make the heart grow fonder. The thing is, 
While he was a much-respected and loved chief to the people he fought for, he was a public enemy. The new America he found himself in wasn't a friendly one. Whites were generally hostile to the Native people's ways of life and partial to assimilation. And Sitting Bull wasn't planning on going down that easy. He was an agitator, so, in their eyes, he was a problem. Imagine for a moment living on a land that feeds you, provides you and your family shelter, and gives you clothing. You, your parents, your parents' parents have grown up there, tended to the land, built up communities and traditions there, learned the land and learned to love it like another family member. It is your home, and you and your ancestors have made many memories there. Stories of things that happened on that land have been passed down through generations. It is your home, the place you know best. Now imagine that being forcefully taken away in the name of manifest destiny and misguided views on assimilation. U.S. President Andrew Jackson signed the Indian Removal Act in 1830, which gave the president the authority to grant lands west of the Mississippi River in exchange for tribal lands within U.S. boundaries. That led to the Trail of Tears, forced relocations of Native peoples that was a lot more brutal and protracted than the name lets on. The suppression of Indigenous peoples' rituals and beliefs was a constant throughout 19th and 20th century relations between the U.S. government and tribes. Tribal ceremonies were banned. Native children were forced to attend boarding schools, use anglicized names, and wear non-Native outfits. Basically, Indigenous peoples and their cultures were unwanted in the very place that they had grown up, and immigrants would do whatever it took to get rid of them. That isn't to say that Native Americans were hopeless, defenseless victims of a tyrannical federal government and a monolithic white population. Some tribes agreed to cede their land and made no effort to resist the federal government. We know conflict is never that black and white, even though movies can make it look that easy. The quirky but treacherous villain tries to foil the hero with increasingly convoluted plans and expository monologues along the way. And at the end, the good guy triumphs. But no, in real life, there ain't no story that's as simple as good versus evil, where only one can prevail. And this story, the story of Sitting Bull, defender of the Northern Plains Native Americans, is one that begins in tragedy and ends in tragedy. Sitting Bull was born around 1831. According to Sitting Bull's great-grandson, he was born on the Yellowstone River, south of Miles City, Montana. Though it's been said by others that he was born in what would become the Dakota Territory. His father was a warrior named Jumping Bull, and his mother's name was Her Holy Door. The Hunk Papas were one of seven branches of the Lakota, who lived west of the Missouri River. Let me just pause here to say that the term Sioux is widely used to describe an alliance of several tribes of Northern Plains indigenous peoples. But the term isn't accepted by all the people it describes. Many of these peoples prefer to refer to themselves as Lakota or Dakota, 
because the label Sioux is a derogatory name that enemies gave them. So here, we'll stick with saying Lakota and Dakota. At the time of Sitting Bull's birth, hostilities between the U.S. government and Native Americans were already at a high point. The government was already lustily looking at rich Native lands and sending people west. Tribes were already resisting American strong-arming, and the government was already attempting to civilize Native Americans. All that's to say, U.S. and Native American relations weren't exactly in the best place. Okay, they were terrible and getting more hostile. And that's the climate Sitting Bull, or Jumping Badger as he was first named, was born into. Sitting Bull's nickname as a child was Slow because of how measured his demeanor was. But it didn't take long for him to earn the name most people know him by. The Plains natives were bison hunters. They used the hides for teepee covers, clothing and blankets, the meat for food, and the bones for tools and utensils. So when he was just 10 years old, Sitting Bull killed his first bison. And when he was 14, he counted coup, or struck a rival crow warrior by forcing him off his horse with a coup stick, which was a stick that warriors used in battle to touch enemies without killing them and show their courage. It was after this brave moment when his father gave him the name that would embody his headstrong and persistent character for the rest of his life. Tatanka Iotake, which described a bison bull that's sitting down. And so the story goes, Sitting Bull became a warrior. He got into the Strongheart Warrior Society, which fought enemies of the Lakota people. And by the time he was 25, he became a leader. Throughout his youth, he went to war with rival tribes like the Crows, Hidatsa, Flatheads, Shoshone, and Mandans. Once, when he was in battle with the Crows during a horse-stealing raid in 1856, Sitting Bull was shot in his left foot. He walked with a limp for the rest of his life, but he had killed the offending crow, so he was praised for his courage. He would also go on to become a member of the Silent Eaters, an exclusive group that discussed tribal welfare. And when his father was killed by a crow warrior in 1858, Sitting Bull exacted revenge by mutilating the killer's body. Sitting Bull even adopted a rival Assiniboine boy that he caught in battle as his brother. The accounts of young Sitting Bull's bravery and his exploits seem never-ending. But as Sitting Bull got older, the fight that defined his plucky and obstinate warrior spirit was the one against encroaching white men that threatened their ways of life and lives themselves. Because not many white people traveled through where Sitting Bull lived, it wasn't until the early 1860s when Sitting Bull had his first serious run-in with them. The Santee Dakota that lived on reservations in Minnesota grew tired of their mistreatment and rebelled by killing and wounding soldiers and other white people and taking women hostage. U.S. troops quelled the uprising, but the U.S. retaliated by sending Generals Henry Hastings Sibley and Alfred Sully to attack Lakota camps. 
Sibley's expedition went into Hunk Papa territory, and Sitting Bull helped fight, even though he hadn't been part of the rebellion. In July 1864, Sully launched an attack on the Lakota and Dakota at Kildare Mountain as part of the retaliation, and Sitting Bull helped lead the defense. And from there, he fought many more battles against the U.S., including the war on Powder River and attacks on Fort Rice. Between all those battles of indigenous people versus white people, Sitting Bull made the decision to never bow to white men who wanted them to assimilate or give up their freedom and land. And that was the resolve he had as he led his people. The extent of Sitting Bull's authority over individual tribes has been called into question. But it's been said that around 1868, Sitting Bull became the head chief of the entire Lakota Nation thanks to his leadership and resistance to U.S. forces. Either way, Sitting Bull's reputation as a warrior, leader, and medicine man preceded him, and he managed to unite the Western Northern Plains tribes in their fight against American westward expansion and cultural dominance. And Sitting Bull's opposition would only grow stronger. We'll be back after this quick break. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This summer, click into Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from RYOBI. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the RYOBI 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the RYOBI leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with RYOBI's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. For more than two months, France's Yellow Vest protesters have been on the streets. Angry over the cost of living and a political system and president, they say, ignores the poorest. 
Friday's prayers in Sudan ended with calls for more protests demanding the resignation of President Ahmed al-Bashir. Mugabe is long gone, but Zimbabwe's anguish is getting only worse. For the second time in six months, the government dealt with demonstrations by deploying troops. We need our paychecks. Across the country, increasingly desperate federal workers stage protests against the shutdown. People have been using protest as a way to get what they want for centuries. Time has proven that if a person or group is unhappy with something, they will fight back and attempt to change it. Protest has caused compromise, it's caused death, and it's caused change. People who've used their voices to reject laws, people, and conventions have risked their lives in service of causes they believe were right. But that's the thing. Each side operates under the notion that what they believe is right. Otherwise, there would be no left versus right, no old guard versus new guard, no black versus white. If we make decisions based on our personal ethics, education, and opinions, then those things will guide which position we take on political and social issues. And we're going to believe what we believe until our knowledge, morals, or opinions change. That's why one person can be completely gung-ho about the fact that Earth is spherical, and another can be like, the Earth is flat, change my mind. My reality, my senses tell me that the Earth is flat and stationary. After all, we were sure the Earth was flat back in the day until we weren't. Anyway, it's so easy to get caught up in who is on which side, who should be condemned, and who should be praised, especially since we have the Internet at our fingertips. Gone are the days when people can say, hey, wait, I'm pretty sure the Earth is round, and escape the criticism of the entire world's peanut gallery. Dissent is amplified now. And considering the number of social media comments I've seen sarcastically dismissing people as edgy for having unorthodox opinions, we seem like we kind of have a dissent fatigue. That fatigue shows up in Americans who are tired of social justice warriors. You can see it in Americans who are tired of people denying the legitimacy of Trump's presidency. And then there are those who are tired of political correctness. And that fatigue even shows up in people tired of others who decry the mainstream media as fake news. I know that we really want to hate the fact that everybody has opinions and can share those opinions with the world easily and become, I really dislike this word, but influencers. But people's informed dissenting opinions have gotten us out of messes and into better places. And we don't get to have productive opposition without some nonsense here and there. People like Sitting Bull, who hold fast to their resistance of the status quo and take one for the team, help the world go round. Um, because it's not flat. Well, this is awkward. The latter half of Sitting Bull's life was full of conflict with the U.S. American forces were powerful, and their ability to organize was great. 
But Sitting Bull and all the other Native Americans who wanted to resist the influence of white people were tenacious and determined to ensure the survival of their people. In 1882, when Sitting Bull was a prisoner of war at Fort Randall, he told James Creelman the following in an interview. This land belongs to us, for the Great Spirit gave it to us when he put us here. We were free to come and go, and to live in our own way. But white men, who belong to another land, have come upon us and are forcing us to live according to their ideas. That is an injustice. We have never dreamed of making white men live as we live. White men like to dig in the ground for their food. My people prefer to hunt the buffalo as their fathers did. White men like to stay in one place. My people want to move their teepees here and there to the different hunting grounds. The life of white men is slavery. They are prisoners and towns are farms. The life my people want is a life of freedom. I have seen nothing that a white man has, houses or railways or clothing or food, that is as good as the right to move in the open country and live in our own fashion. Why has our blood been shed by your soldiers? And Sitting Bull would go on to say this. We marched across the lines of our reservation and the soldiers followed us. They attacked our village and we killed them all. What would you do if your home was attacked? You would stand up like a brave man and defend it. That is our story. I have spoken. We'll be right back. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This summer, click into Memorial Day Savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from RYOBI. 
Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the Ryobi leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with Ryobi's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. After the Civil War ended in 1865, white settlement and expansion was booming again. Gold was discovered in Montana. Advances in agricultural machinery brought more people looking to make a buck off farming to the West. And the first transcontinental railroad was completed in 1869, creating a stream of passengers headed West. That meant that white people were headed toward Hunkpapa land. And that influx of people was a huge threat to the lives of the Lakota, since they were nomadic and relied on the bison for sustenance. Even the bison were targeted by U.S. forces since they were a source of Native American survival. Even though they were up against a lot, Sitting Bull still tried to get tribes to fight together against whites. The Lakota attacked railroad surveyors and soldiers, committed massacres, and raided forts. The tribe's resistance was putting a lot of pressure on U.S. forces. Seeing how much war and uprising there was in the West, the federal government drew up the Treaty of Fort Laramie in 1868. The treaty established what was called the Great Sioux Reservation, including an area called the Black Hills that would be designated exclusively for those Native people who agreed to it. It also said that the U.S. would abandon forts it had set up along the Bozeman Trail, which had become a point of conflict between the U.S. and Native Americans. Spoiler alert, Sitting Bull never signed the treaty. But the starry-eyed hope for this treaty was peace. And the late 1860s and early 1870s were the era of President Ulysses Grant's peace policy, which attempted to get rid of corrupt Indian Bureau agents. There was a moment of relative silence, but it definitely wasn't all peaceful. The government was still after the natives' way of life. The U.S. instituted agricultural training on reservations and established schools and churches intended to convert Native Americans to Christianity. So the word peace is probably a euphemism. But that faux peace didn't last too long anyway. In 1874, General George Armstrong Custer led an expedition looking for gold into the Black Hills. And even though that land was a no-go for prospectors because of the Laramie Treaty, they went for it anyway. The Lakota people, of course, weren't having it, and Sitting Bull helped unite the branches of the Lakota to face the Army and reservation agents. Sitting Bull was also a respected medicine man. So when he underwent the Sundance, 
a religious ceremony that's done for the welfare of the people and had a vision of a victory, people believed him. When Custer's 7th Cavalry rolled into the Lakota encampment on a mission, the natives emerged victorious. But Americans were really upset about the defeat. And the Lakota people who had linked up to fight Custer's troops suffered a lot of losses to persistent cavalrymen. So Sitting Bull and the anti-treaty natives who hadn't surrendered fled to Canada. That didn't go so well either. Sitting Bull was losing people's allegiance as they had a hard time finding food in Canada. And in 1881, after five years in Canada, Sitting Bull went back to America with less than 300 of his followers. When he got back, he handed in his rifle, then was sent to Standing Rock Reservation, then Fort Randall, where he was held as a prisoner of war for almost two years. Even though he had surrendered, he was still steadfast in his resistance to white assimilation. And he remained that way until he died. Near the end of his life, he joined in on the ghost stands, a ceremony that was spreading through Native American tribes that was supposed to put an end to white people's oppression of indigenous peoples and bring about a new leader. But the dance brought about Sitting Bull's demise. Americans were afraid that the ghost dance was really a call to political action. And Sitting Bull, as fearsome as he was, could in no way be a part of that. On December 15, 1890, police tried to arrest Sitting Bull, fearing his involvement in the ghost dance. In the scuffle that ensued, one of the Lakota policemen shot and killed Sitting Bull. Sitting Bull was all about the preservation of his people and their way of life. But white people were able to suppress Native traditions and languages in a major way. That doesn't mean that Sitting Bull's efforts were for naught. Sitting Bull's legacy as a defender of the Lakota people lives on, and he has achieved a sort of legendary status in Native American, American, and world history. It's unfair to say, just because he didn't win the war he was fighting, and it was a war, that Sitting Bull's efforts were meaningless. Sitting Bull was resilient. He was an enemy of many people throughout his life because of his commitment to protecting Native American lives. It would have been easy for him to choose the path of least resistance. Instead, he chose to disrupt. It is not hard to be hated. But if you are going to be, at least make it worthwhile. Sitting Bull's resolve, despite all the backlash and losses he faced, is a good reminder that sometimes a fight just take serious doggedness. Sitting Bull helped keep Native people and traditions alive. And he inspired tons of people to resist, to honor their heritage, and to be brave. 
Sitting Bull was hunted and feared for his defiance. But it was his defiance that made him the bold leader we remember him as today. Andrew Howard is our producer. Holly Fry and Christopher Hasiotis are executive producers. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another episode of Unpopular. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids. No plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.